episode 54, Stick to Hockey Live. It's Jason Martinez. There's Anthony DeMarco from north of the border in the uh, great hockey city of Montreal, La Habitant. What's going on, Ant? Not much, man. I'm getting like our third snowstorm of the week, for God's sakes. I've absolutely oh, had it. Oh, dude, it's ridiculous. Like, it's I, I feel like we've had all year. <laughs> regular snowfalls don't exist anymore. Like, it's a literally no snow or a complete fucking blizzard, a barrage oh, of epic proportions. It's, I, I've had it. And I'm usually one that doesn't complain too much about winter, but now yeah. I've, I, I've, I'm sick of it. Yeah. By the time you get to March, it's like, all right, enough already. Exactly. we've seen it enough like okay we're good exactly um, it, it's been a snowstorm of moves around the nhl um not involving the flyers as of yet um it's been interesting seeing what teams are doing especially in the east like it's crazy yeah so many of these teams crazy. yeah giving up first round picks left and right and you know a lot of these teams are going to be out in the first round but yeah um, I, I guess you know and even to get through the east is going to be just so insanely difficult they're so much stronger in total than the west but let's start with the flyers what do you hear and what's the latest on the flyers and trade deadline james van reamsdyke kevin hayes ivan Provorov is out there i know dregs mentioned something about Provy. so did emily kaplan and hayes but what's the latest you're hearing so uh as far as hayes goes uh i got a text just about 20 minutes ago saying that nothing is imminent um, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he gets moved, but I, I do think that he's kind of become a secondary option for teams looking for centers. I wrote about that, I believe, a week and a half ago, and you've seen all these centers come off the board. The, the wild card here, and Friedman, uh, Elliot Friedman just mentioned this on the Jeff Merrick show, is kind of what's going on in Calgary, that all of a sudden Calgary could become sellers. And yep. a team that I believe to have had interest in Hayes in the Carolina Hurricanes, I think are now kicking tires on Backland and Elias Lindholm, as Elliot Friedman mentioned. Yeah. So I think that that would be something that would maybe hold up something on Hayes. And another thing, as far as Provorov goes, I still, when I talk to my sources, I still don't get the sense that he's actively being shopped. I think that the Flyers have let it be known that you know, he's available and he has been available going back to January. And I don't think anyone on this team is untouchable, but I think the Flyers want a very significant package for Ivan Provorov. And I think that goes beyond Chuck Fletcher, to be honest. I think you're seeing with how John Tortorella has used his defense this season. Ivan, like, save for Nick Sealer, Ivan Provorov is the only one that hasn't been caught in the crosshairs of John Tortorella. And I, I I was told that John Tortorella really likes and respects Provorov's game because of the effort level he brings and the way he defends. Mm. So, I mean, again, those two guys are available. I just think that it's going to take a more significant deal and not just, like, trading for picks and prospects. I think for Provorov specifically, it would be more of, like, a hockey trade. And, I mean, you look at some of the teams that were in on Chikrin, right? You look at, you know, Ottawa ends up getting him, and they give up a pretty significant package of picks to get him. And you look at, you know, what other teams were in that mix, whether Toronto maybe was in that mix or L.A. looking for a left-side D-man. Um, that's maybe the pivot to one of those teams because very similar to Chikrin, he's got term. So. Yeah. I mean, it's more likely those deals happen in the offseason, but we're actually seeing players getting moved with term remaining this year because of the arms race. Yeah. So maybe this is an opportunity. I, I don't know. 
maybe it's a more complicated deal and because you're going to want to take a player from the roster instead of just like chicken room went for picks pretty much right yeah so, and you and you even saw it with like jake mccabe going to toronto he had a year he has a year left uh mm-hmm. matthias Ekholm goes to edmonton he had a year left but these are two teams that are just selling for picks and future assets and there was salary retention on both of those guys I, I don't think the Flyers want to just give up Provorov for draft picks. I, you know, I, I yeah. heard through the grapevine that they want to buy field out of LA and we know he's untouchable. So I think the common theme here is, is that the Flyers don't want to just give up Ivan Provorov and make no immediate addition to their roster. Not to say that they want to get like a 30 year old or anything, but as Chuck Fletcher said, they want to get younger and maybe they will be in the market for like those reclamation projects. You know, Dave mm-hmm. Pagnotta kind of started connecting the dots today about maybe Sanheim or Provorov drawing the interest of the Winnipeg Jets. I think that makes sense to play in a second pair role behind Josh Morrissey, uh, probably play alongside Neil Pionk on their second pair. But again, like, what are the Jets going to be sending you the other way? And I mean, for me, I, I think at this point, if I were, you know, a a betting man, I would say Provorov is the more likely to be moved because of his quality of play and his contract. But, you know, we've talked about this a lot, and I've been told this from those within the Flyers front office, that they have to be very careful with what they do with Ivan Provorov. Because, yeah, it's good to trade him for a first-round pick and a second-round pick or whatever, but that's going to leave a massive hole on your defense, and it's not something that could be solved internally, at least for the moment. Yeah, and... You know, I think maybe the thinking there, too, is let's see what Sanheim does over these final 20 games before we make a decision on Provorov. Because Sanheim's had periods where he's been really good and he's had real down periods as well, probably more down than up this year. And, you know, that's a consideration there as well. Not that Sanheim, you know, if he played well down the final 20 games that don't mean anything where they know they're not going to the playoffs makes him a top pair guy because it doesn't. You know, um, I think no matter what, he's not a top pairing guy. But then all of a sudden, you're right. Now you have a hole in your top pair right side and a hole in your top pair left side. It's it's kind of odd. And Torts actually said yesterday that he thought that uh, York has actually played better on the right side defending than he has on the left side and certainly contributing offensively from the right side. Yeah, and, you you know, if that's how towards season long-term, then theoretically you don't have to move any of your pieces on the back end. And I think that's kind of like where the Flyers are at internally is that they don't feel like they need to make a, a trade on their defense because of how this team is, you know, we're, they're in a rebuild. We know this, but it isn't a tear it down to the studs, gut it, completely rebuild. And I do think a lot of this has to do with John Tortorella, that Tortorella has said repeatedly that, you know, this is going to be a a full length season of kind of evaluating what they have, that they want to see how everyone plays over the full 82 game stretch. Like even let's say like a guy like Morgan Frost, let's say, who we haven't heard his name out there at all. And he's on an expiring deal, but you want to see what Morgan Frost does for the entirety of these 82 games. And obviously, he's in a very different position than Sanheim and Provorov, clearly because of the age and their tenures in the NHL. But I, I just, I think there's interest for sure in those guys. I just don't think that the Flyers in a fire sale like we've seen the Coyotes are in or the Predators or the Blackhawks. And 
that might be wrong or right. You know, maybe they would be better off to just gut everything and get as many assets as they can. But I don't think this is a situation where the Flyers want to be worse than they are this year, next season. I think they We've want talked this about thing. that. Yeah, I got to yeah. move forward. They they want this thing to stay linear. And I think that if you make a move like that with Provorov and even arguably Sandheim, and you're just bringing back future assets, it's hard to envision them being better next season. Yeah, because how are you going to plug that hole? And the cap may go up, but minimally. Uh, so that's won't help a tremendous amount to get into that market. And you often overpay in the free agent market, and they want to get younger and uh, find those guys. Let's talk about JVR because he is an expiring deal. Chuck said the other day they're willing to eat money on the deal retain salary um but he doesn't have a chair yet in this game of you know uh, you know trying to f- when the music stops and is there do you have a chair and we're running out of running out of chairs here for jvr so many teams have we know he was part of that second tier but so many teams have made moves that would make jvr redundant at this point i think so what's the market for jvr right now where's a potential landing spot Well, I think that in terms of potential landing spots, like I still wouldn't rule out Vegas. I still wouldn't rule out the Dallas Stars, even though they've each respectively added middle six wingers in Barbashev with the Knights and the Stars adding um, who who they get uh, that enough from the uh, from the Montreal Canadiens. And like, look, I mean, there is a certain like I believe if Chuck Fletcher wanted just a fourth round pick for JVR, they could have already dealt him. Like I'm of that belief. But I think that you're probably looking for a second plus for him. Maybe you're trying to squeeze. You know, I think maybe you're trying to overplay your hand a bit if you're really trying to do that. Like, let's be honest, JVR has not been good since going back from the finger injury. Yes, yeah, that's and part of the season. other problem. Yeah. Yeah, like he hasn't been good. And usually guys on expiring deals, especially one probably playing for his final contract ever, you would imagine that there'd be more pep in his step, but he just hasn't been good. And a lot of teams have taken notice on that. And I think a lot of this smoke in the media may have been agent-driven. I believe he is the same agent as Provov, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. And it's just that if Fletcher is looking for a second round and let's say a fifth round pick, maybe something like what you saw Yarncroft go for last year, Maybe you're overplaying your hand a bit. And I think they're of the belief that they know either way in 24 hours time or 26 hours time, they are going to be able to get a fourth or a fifth for them. So why not try? But there is a dangerous game to play in that sense, because you're like playing chicken. Yeah, you're playing chicken. And then what's the what's the chance that everyone says, OK, well, we got everyone like you saw Minnesota add Nyquist and uh, Johansson. Mm-hmm. And so it's dangerous. I, I probably would have just cut my losses and trade him for a fourth round pick at this point, assuming that is available. But if there is a and the off chance that nobody even wants the guy, then there is so only so much that you could do. Yeah. And you you got to wonder, too, how much that dip in play has really played into this, because since the injury and since he came back, he had one stretch where he was decent, but you can see that he can't finish on pucks. Which is and is that going to get better? You know what I mean? He's had chances in front. He just can't finish on pucks. And I don't know how much of that's the injury or what, but um, maybe Carolina is a landing spot for him too. I, I think they're looking for a center first and foremost because they're mm-hmm. 2C. They they let Trocek walk in the summer. They thought they could replace that internally with Cock and Yemi. 
He hasn't been good enough. Stashney was a free agent signing. He hasn't been He's good 100. enough. Yeah. Exactly. And with JVR, you make a good point because why would you be acquiring John, James Van Riemsdyk to ideally play in your on your second line and score score goals on the power play yep. from in tight? He's yep. not doing that. And he's not a very versatile player to begin with. Like, you're not going to get James Van Riemsdyk and if he's not scoring goals, be like, okay, we'll play him on the right wing of the third line so he could be a checker. Like, that. he's... I don't want to say he's a one-trick pony, but he's there to give you secondary scoring. And if he can't do that, why the fuck are you going to trade for him? There's no versatility in James Van Riemsdyk's game. Like, let's say a Nito Niederreiter going to Winnipeg, who was a potential landing spot. I think that, you know, you you, you go and get Nino Niederreiter because he can be that secondary scorer, but he's also able to be a hard four checker and play that energy role as well. Calgary Flames, I know that they were potentially going to look at James Van Riemsdyk, but now they may be shifting into sell mode. So, I mean, I think it is twofold. I do think that maybe Chuck Fletcher is overplaying his hand a bit and you're trying to squeeze a return that just simply isn't there. But I think there is something to be said that JVR's lack of scoring and his non-versatile style may be having that market dry up. And you know, I have to look at it from an opposing team. Like for JVR right now, if I'm another team, I'm not giving more than a fourth round pick. Yeah, and a second round picks out a question with this draft, and maybe you get a second round in 2024. You yeah. know, but you're not going to get a second in 2023. Plus, any team that's looking for it probably already traded their second round pick <laughs> with all the deals that have happened. Um, one of the big stories, Ant, was obviously last night's game against the Rangers. They lose three two in overtime. Really good hockey game. It was entertaining. And, you know, back and forth, Flyers played a tremendous second period. And I thought Owen Tippett was excellent in the yeah, game last night. Time. I thought Cam York was really good in the game last night, too. But Tippett in particular, I thought was incredible. Um, and you're starting to see with more consistency the way he can impact the game. I just thought he was all over the ice. In the second period, it looked like he was taking every other shift. Like he was every time he was out there, you really noticed him. Um, and But the big story is the amount of Ranger fans that were in the building. And there was a lot. If it was 50-50, if it was less than 50-50, I'd, I'd have a hard time believing it, um, the split. And they were obviously vocal. It's an easy train ride down from New York to come to Philly, and there's seats available on the secondary market. So, boom, they come down. And there's a lot of buzz around the Rangers. Tarasenko's the ad. They get Kane, although he wasn't in the game last night. He'll be playing tonight when they play Ottawa. Uh, so there's a ton of buzz around the Rangers as well, and people want to see that team. And their fans can travel easy to see it right down to Philly. Um, But, you know, when you see that many Ranger fans in an opposition building and taking over the way they did, and it was it was it was an interesting kind of back and forth between the two fan bases, one that I don't want to experience again, frankly. And it speaks to the state of the franchise right now. And I I want to play this clip of Torts because he said this at the end of his postgame. Jordan Hall originally asked him a question about the Ranger fans in the building. And then the last question of the press conference, Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic followed up on it. And I want people to see and hear Torch's response to this, because I think this is the mentality and the honesty. And frankly, I always say that Torch walks around with a mirror and shows everybody what they are in it. So this is what Torch had to say when Charlie O'Connor followed up with him last night uh, after the Flyers lost in overtime. Right, we got to hit play. That helps. Here we go. Jordan asked about the crowd. You've talked about wanting to play meaningful games. It was 
no secrets tonight that there were a lot of Rangers fans mm -hmm. in the building. I guess, what does that mean to you in terms of like your team having to respond to not necessarily having the building behind them because of where you guys stand? Yeah, well, that, that we make our own bed. You know, we need to get this the right direction where uh, maybe someday those tickets are hard to get by, you know, to come by. Uh, but don't don't blame anybody else. Blame us. This is this is what we've made here. And uh, hopefully along the way we get this turned around. I'm not sure when, uh, but but get it back to where that's a tough ticket. And, and uh, maybe the Ranger fans just aren't allowed in the building because we, we have filled it with our people. Not there yet, obviously, but no one, I, I'm not blaming the fans. I'm not blaming anybody else except us in the organization. We make our own bed here and where we're at, it's up for us to get out of it. There he is, towards after the game. And I, you know, I totally agree. This is yep. not on anybody else. It's not on Flyer fans. It's not their obligation. It, this is a situation where the door has been opened by the situation in the place that they're in. And I think it was really important to not only think that, but verbalize that. To verbalize it, you know, thinking it's one thing, verbalizing it and articulating it is another. And it's once again, Torts being in touch and knowing exactly where his team is. And frankly, to use that as motivation to get things straightened out so that does not happen again. No, and you know what? I think it's something that the Flyers have, and Chuck Fletcher specifically, have really not been good at the last 12 months, and that's communicating and being honest. And I think John Tortorella's best attribute this season, even aside from the coaching and the work he's done on the ice, is how honest and candid he's been and open and just letting know, let, letting the fans know that, hey, we know what we are. We understand that this is our fault and the self-accountability. And I think that it's gone a long way. And he's absolutely right. And it's funny to say because he's only been here for, what, eight months or so? Like, he yeah. hasn't been part of this complete, like, spiral the last 24 months. Like, he just jumped on this. And he's come in and really spearheaded this, you know, this notion that they're rebuilding or retool or whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't want to get caught in a game of semantics. But... Good on him. He's right. He's absolutely right. The Flyers did this to themselves. Like, you know, I, I know up here in Canada, they've had that issue a lot in Ottawa with Montreal fans driving, you know, an hour and a half down the down the Trans-Canada and going to Ottawa games and the ditto for Toronto fans going to Ottawa because they were so bad for so many years. And maybe unlike Toronto and Montreal, where you have diehard fan bases that will be here through thick and thin, Ottawa fans didn't always, you know, support the team when they were really having a tough go. So good on John Tortorella. And I think just that open honesty that he's acknowledging where they're at and also acknowledging that it's their own fault will go a long way. And I think that's what most fans just want to hear. And I think Chuck Fletcher, when he spoke the other day, mostly said the right things. Like, obviously, he had a couple of dumb comments i guess that were maybe a bit ripped out of context that people ran with but again i do understand the fact that like why hasn't chuck fletcher been saying this going back to last summer and i think both you and i have agreed upon that the communication has been really piss poor unfortunately aside from when john tortorella has spoken it's been inconsistent and i mean now it's consistent but 
it's easier to be consistent now, especially when you see what took place last night. You know, yeah. it's it's one of those things where you go, I mean, it's it's smacking us in the face that there's got to be, it's got to be done properly and it's got to be done creatively and to build this team back up because where they are right now, when you see all those Ranger fans in the, in the building, it was such a juxtaposition, Ant, of, a, you know, I went out on the bench during warm-up last night because uh, we were doing this stuff from downstairs last night. We didn't do it on the concourse where we usually do it. So during warm-up last night, before we went on the air, I went out on the bench to watch warm-ups, and I'm watching the Rangers, and I'm seeing, you know, Panarin and Kreider and Zabanajad and the addition of Tarasenko and Adam Fox and the pieces. They didn't have Keandre Miller last night. He was suspended. But you know what I'm saying. And I'm looking at the team, and I'm going, man, there's such a buzz around that team. And for all the right reasons, and Shosturkin, I got a good look at him last night, and I'm and I'm and I found myself massively jealous. You know what I mean? Like right I've been in the so. in the media or pseudo media for 28 years, and I usually don't get those kind of feelings. But like I, I'm there watching, I'm going, damn, it must be great to be in New York right now if that's your team, because of the situation that they're in, not only right now though, but it's for many years to come. Okay. And we're used to that being the situation in Philly where they are a perennial contender. Yeah. They haven't won the cups in 75 and they've gone back a shitload of times, but you know, to be in that mix again and look, the Rangers only won one in 94 and 50, I guess it's like almost, you know, like 70 years at this point, but still I'm looking at them and I'm going, man, I wish we were in that position. And there was a jealousy that fucking took over. And it's it's like we're walking into walls, it feels like, sometimes here. And you know what? This is a long time coming. And it's something that has been the Flyers. I mean, is that, you know, you, you have 10 years ago, Ron Hextall, or nine years ago, whenever it is, him take over. Is that been and fucking do this, nine years? Holy yeah, shit. Nine years in May, he took over. Crazy, eh? So... He does this half-ass rebuild on the fly, burns through the years of really good core players, gets canned, shit-canned kind of on a whim, and then you bring in Chuck Fletcher and you tell him, okay, we'll save whatever Hextall was trying to do. And unfortunately, with Voracek and Giroux and, you know, Sean Couture slowly breaking down, Simmons on the back Simmons. nine, that was kind of impossible to do save for that first year you had one kick at the can in 2019-20 they had a pretty good season save for the bubble shenanigans and then after that it was gone it was over that team was wasted and I think that last year you try a heroic opportunity in the summer 2021 to try and like do like this facelift on the fly some moves were probably good some moves were probably bad. Some fucking bad luck in Ryan Ellis. And it's really punched you in the face now that unfortunately the last nine years have been a fucking waste. And that's what it is. And I think only now you're starting to get a completely unified front from the top down. Because, you know, I can tell you that now Dave Scott is on board with this rebuild. And I think that's the first time that that has been the case since Chuck Fletcher got here. I think that since Chuck Fletcher got here, he was brought in with the mandate to try and make this team competitive, which post 2020 was pretty much impossible. 
because of everything that gone on, the, the core being rotten, the animosity between some players, you know, the, the salary cap being flat, injuries, all that. So maybe that's John Tortorella, because I don't know if the Flyers came into the season thinking like, yeah, we're going to be rebuilt. But I think they came in thinking that John Tortorella is going to tell us what the fuck we have to do. And I think yeah. John Tortorella found out very, very quickly that that's what needed to happen. And now they're rebuilding. Everyone, I think, is more or less on the same page at this point, including the owner. And I understand that, and I completely get it, that some people have no more goodwill as far as Chuck Fletcher goes. And I understand that. I don't blame anyone for it. The only thing that I could say to kind of look at some silver lining here is that I think it's the first time in a decade, because I don't even know if everyone was on the same page when Hextall was running the show, because the way he operated with that rebuild made no fucking sense in retrospect, hanging on to Giroux and Voracek while pissing away half a decade. But I think this is the first time where from owner right down to the coach, and I think the coach has a lot of fucking pull in this organization, everyone is realistic and honest about where this team is at. And at least that is starting somewhere. Yeah, it may be starting late, or not 100%. when it should have. I, part of you know, part I totally agree with you. I think part of the the issue was 1920 was an aberration, and yeah. and and they wanted to go. Okay, we're that good because you want to believe that, and you want to make moves to to go. Okay, let's recapture what we did in 1920 because we weren't far in that season, but you were, and recognizing it was the difficult part because you didn't want to recognize it either. And you've been tasked with saving the Hextall plan. Boy, he, and he's the, in a shit show in Pittsburgh too. <laughs> and Hextall's plan was kind. And I think that's where like the culture came in, where you had so many of the guys who lived through that Hextall era that you became accustomed that losing was okay that there was no accountability with the coach. There was no accountability with some players like, you know, Provorov and Sanheim and Shane Gossesbury, even for that matter, come into the NHL and they're playing with guys like Radko Gudis and Andrew McDonald and Christian Foline. Like, and I think that 1920 was a good season, but I think it was the last season that you had that kick at the can based on the ages of some guys. And even in that season, Giroux wasn't a hundred point player anymore. Voracek wasn't an 80 point player anymore. Like you got a really good year, Sean Couturier, probably the best year of his career. But you know, that was the last year that you really had a shot to win with that core. Yeah. And I just think that after those, that bubble playoffs and you could go back and what I've written and in my Twitter feed post 2020 playoffs, I said, this fucking core is done. You're never mm -hmm. going to win jack shit with this core. That was their chance, and in my opinion, they embarrassed themselves against the New York Islanders. They might as well have not even have fucking been there. I know they went seven games, but they embarrassed themselves. And it took the, the, the front office 24 months too late to accept that. And I do think a lot of that had to do that not just Chuck Fletcher, but I think Dave Scott, like you said, thought that 2019-20 was the real team, while it was more or less just like a... I don't even want to say that it was an outlier. I just think it was the the last bit of the runway that you last had. Last hurrah. Yeah. The last hurrah. And it sucked that that was the first year of Fletcher and AV. So it kind of felt new, but it really wasn't. 
It was all the same players except for Hayes, Niskanen, Braun, and Pitlick. It was all the same core guys. And it took them 24 months too late. And maybe it was John Tortorella who told them that. Um, uh, maybe it was some new life in that front office, whether it be Alan McCauley or Danny Briere, who helped them figure that out. But they finally figured it out. It's too late, but at least you're finally there. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have some things that are out of your control, obviously like the pandemic and then Nolan Patrick and the, the way that that played out, because I mean, you can pin so much back to the selection of Nolan Patrick. <laughs> I, Hayes is here because Nolan Patrick. Yeah, with the headache. That's, that's why they signed him in that off season. They knew there was an issue and they needed a center and they go out and they get Hayes and it's just, it's insane. So we'll see where it all goes, but uh, we're about what? 25 and a half hours, 25 hours and 27 minutes from the deadline tomorrow. And we'll see what happens in the next 25 hours and 27 minutes. See if, Anything gets done, see if any of the big names like Proveroff or Hayes or obviously JVR or Braun or Patrick Brown. I don't think we'll see Sealer move. Um, that doesn't that one doesn't make much sense to me to move them when you got them under contract next year under eight hundred thousand. So um we'll see where it all goes. But uh and, and another another thing that I think is important here to remember is that like you know, you see a lot of people say like trade Delorier, trade Sealer, trade D'Angelo, like trade everybody, you know. But you've heard Fletcher say, and I was told this back in late January and I wrote it, is that they want a lot of their younger players to get that experience with the Phantoms. Mm-hmm. So they want them to I be playing. The, yeah, they, they want them to be on a successful team, a playoff push, what, whatever is going on down there. So if you're trading Delorier and you're trading Sealer and D'Angelo and just everybody, those guys are going to be replaced in fourth line and bottom pair roles by Adderd and Zamula and mm-hmm. Den and Forster. And I don't know that if that's the best thing for development, for them to come away from playing prominent roles on a good team in the AHL and come up and play minute roles in the NHL on a really bad team. And get so I think you also have to in. account for that. Yeah. And getting your teeth kicked in while doing it. So Exactly. Yeah, it's, that, that's a, I agree with you. I, I think those guys playing down there on a run to the Calder Cup is great. It, yep. it, it is. I mean, I remember Richards and Carter came. That was a lockout year, but Richards and Carter came in after their junior years and and came in and went on a run, won a Calder Cup, and propelled them right into the NHL. And I thought that that was big for them. And, I mean, that was a great team. Patrick Sharp was on that team. Sharpie yep. on that squad, too. What a squad that was. Um, all right, Ed, great stuff, man. We'll talk next week, and uh, we'll see what happens over the next uh, 24, 48 hours. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. There he is. Anthony DeMarco. Check out his stuff on thefourthperiod.com. Follow him on Twitter at ADeMarco25, and uh, we'll see what happens over the next uh, little bit here. Let's get to a little something to make you a little bit of money. How about that? How about Tone Stakes, another edition? coming. go another brand new edition of tones takes for the 2nd of march 2023 what's going on tone hey jason how you doing good man deadline time everybody's moving and shakes the fires do a little moving yeah exactly exactly 
it's crazy all the movement in the east man like the east is itself it's a juggernaut all of a sudden like it's crazy it come draft time this year next year and presumably somewhat the year after it's going to be oh my god this team gave up all this and they didn't even get past the second round you know what i mean right (laughs) yeah exactly especially with the way the playoff format is i mean deferred the first round you're gonna have you know probably you know two Stanley Cup contenders right then and there will be eliminated just from who they're playing. You know? Yeah, like Timo Meyer or Panarin and uh, Kane and uh, Tarasenko. Are gonna, one of those guys is going to be out of the playoffs come round two. Yep, yep. That's nuts. And same thing with Toronto-Tampa. Either, you know, Kucherov, Stamkos, Matthews, like one of those teams are going to be out too. Oh, my God. If Toronto loses in the first round again, you got, I don't know what to do there, but – I like be... what they did. I, I like the moves they made. I really do. They made the moves that, you know, that you need in the playoffs. But, I mean, there's still the goaltending question. I mean, still got yeah. Vasilevsky on the other side. I mean, you know. Yep. Bingo. <laughs> like, that's the thing. They, they they did make some good moves, and I like what they did. And they bring Luke yeah. Shen back, of all people. And then all of yep. a sudden, you go, are they going to grab a goalie? And if they are, like, who are they going to get at this? Like, quick? Are you going to trade with Columbus now for Jonathan Quick, who may be right. going to Vegas? I don't know. Yep. It's a mess, but and we know goaltending played a huge role come playoff time, uh, without question. Uh, let's get to the plays this week because you know, very desperate teams right now. You're down to like 20, 21 games left for a lot of these teams. You're in the final quarter of the season, and Florida is one of those teams' tone. They got a really interesting game. You got two plays on this game, you got to play on the game. They're playing the Preds down in Florida, and you got a player prop here as well. And you like the desperation for Florida. Yeah, I'm going to go Florida minus one, minus 115. Um, like you said, desperate spot. Um, they're in that mix for the wild card. Uh, they've played more games than most of those teams. I mean, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Ottawa all have games in hand on them. Um, you know, they lost to Nashville uh, in Nashville, I think, a week and a half ago. Nashville's been absolutely gutted. You know, Janot's been traded. Ekholm's been traded. Granlin's been traded. And they have injuries with Forsberg and Johansson still out. So, um, going to minus one instead of regulation because I still have UC Soros and, you know, I'm kind of going to do that little cushion here. I think Florida can definitely get a, a two goal win here. Um, they're going to have to start reeling off like, and they had a great win against Tampa the other night, but we're going to have to like sustain a long winning streak to kind of get it into a playoff position here. So, and one of the key guys for them that does two things, he, a, he helps prevent goals and B he contributes on the offensive end is Aaron Ekblad. Do you like him uh, a shot total here? Yeah, over three and a half at plus 115. He's hit in seven of his last nine home games, averaging wow. where he averages 3.6 shots per game. He gets power play one minutes, uh, especially with Barkov. Barkov is still out, so, you know, Ekblad should be on that point. Um, I know Barkov plays there sometimes, but uh, he's just a beast at home, so I like him at plus 115. He didn't – he played in the national game a couple weeks ago. He didn't get any shots, so I think he's going to kind of – you know, that's not going to repeat tonight. So <laughs> going to load up and take the over three and a half shots and plus money there at one fifteen. Um, yep. Josh Anderson is an interesting player because his team is gutted as well. Um, and he's a guy that they're asking to be a big offensive contributor. You like him in the over two and a half shots on goal. Yeah. Over two and a half plus one Oh five. He's hit it in 10 of the 14 games since Caulfield has, has been hurt averaging yeah. 3.1 shots per game. Uh, he's had it in 10 of his last 12 road games, including each of the last six. So he's definitely the main option there. Um, I mean, they have, still have other options with Hoffman and Suzuki, um, but Anderson's the main 
the main uh, shot producer on that team now. So as long as we keep getting plus money on this, I, I've, I've been pretty much riding him and I'm going to keep doing it. So, yeah, I like those guys that are, are asked to provide the offense on a team that has lost key offensive players. Cause yep. the one th- they may not punch a lot of goals, but they will get a lot of attempts. <laughs> and, that, and that's yeah, the key. Yep, and they're most likely, I mean, they're trailing a lot, too. I mean, I know Montreal hasn't been lately. They've been actually playing pretty well, but yeah. those teams are usually you know, usually, usually chasing the game. So, um, Come next week, we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but has your futures plays, um, based on any of the moves that have taken place, you see any more value around the league? Because, you know, the East is an arms race, and it's crazy, and only one team is going to get out, and pretty much all of these teams have made – pretty significant moves. I mean, you look at even Boston, Toronto, Tampa goes out and gets Janot and gives up a haul. Carolina grabs Ghost and the Devils made a big move in getting Timo Meyer. And then you look at the Rangers, Kane and Tarasenko, the (laughs) the aisle. I mean, Pittsburgh's trying to make some moves, but to me, they look like chum for the the Bruins in round one. And then you look at the West and you go, who wants to step up in the West? Does anybody's I mean, if you look at odds to win the cup, first you got to get to the cup. So you look at those West teams and go, whoever can get out of the West may not be as chewed up and spit out either. Exactly. I mean, I still like Colorado out West. Um, mm-hmm. If I if I had to pick like the not like a sleeper team per se, I mean, I I I still think Dallas has good. I mean, they're struggling lately, but I think they're a team. If uh, Ottinger can get straightened out, they're a team that can uh, make some noise. I liked Winnipeg earlier in the year, especially with bonus, but just something with that with that team. They're kind of getting back to their inconsistent ways of previous They lost years. four straight. They have, yeah. And Hellebuck's, I mean, he played that great game, you know, at New York uh, last week, but, you know, the Colorado game, he got smoked. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the West, the West is definitely wide open, um, but my money would still be on Colorado there. I think they're going to get things straight now. They got a nice pickup yesterday with Lars Eller, who's going to help them down the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, I don't know what's going to happen with Landis Cog if he's going to come back or not. But um, and they've had some injuries, which means they're going to be healthier down the stretch. So that adds into it too. Yeah, if Landis Cog comes back, maybe he he pulls the cooch, comes back for the playoffs. The LTIR goes into play, <laughs> and you're good yeah. to go. And then you got yeah. a fresh guy. I mean, it's kind of like what Forsberg did the one year too. Exactly, I mean, exactly. They've seen that in Colorado before. I I don't even. I mean, I guess Boston's the favorite in the East, but. Come playoffs, I don't know. I mean, Allmark's been so good. I think he cinched up the Vesna too. Yeah, I mean, is he a guy that you can trust in the playoffs? I mean, I know he's having a great year, but I don't know. I don't know if he has that that playoff pedigree. I mean, they're make, they're still making moves. They got Bertuzzi today. Like, yeah, it's uh, you know, that that team is just it's just insane. But I and teams like that, like you know, like that go wire to wire they usually do not end up going to the San Diego final. Yep. Or if they do, they right. don't end up winning it. So I don't, I, I'm still not, you know, Boston is Boston, but I think there's, there's value in, in, in other teams. Um, yeah. I know, wonder even, what... even the Rangers with the moves they made, I mean, they got two superstars pretty much. I mean, how's that going to fit into that lineup? There's already superstars yeah. there, you know, even, with even 20 games like left. I mean, yeah. I mean, I like the most. I, I think Toronto did the most, but again, they may not still get out of the first round. I like what yeah. they so far. I like what they did the most in the East so far. The other thing is, too, is like Omar, if he's facing Tampa Bay in round two, 
and he looks down the other end and sees Vasilevsky. Like that's got an effect on a goalie. Like I, I oh, hate yeah. to break the news, but it does. It's absolutely. you see that guy and you go, I got to be just absolutely flawless to outdo yeah. this guy in the playoffs. We know Vasilevsky's playoff numbers are absurd. So they are, they are. And one no. team that I'm surprised that didn't that ha- hasn't done more is Carolina. You know, I know mm-hmm. they got the you know ghost yesterday. It could kind of help on their offensive side, especially the power play. But they need like a. a I mean, they had it with Pacioretty, unfortunately, what happened to him with the yeah. you know, the Achilles injuries. But I don't know. I mean, we still have a day and a half left here. So be curious to see if they they go out and try to get some more offensive punts. They may have to mortgage some of their young guys to do that. They're a kind of team that's been on the cusp for how long now, and they just can't get over the hump. So. Yeah, in a very tough East, and it'll be tough again this year. Tone, all your stuff's on dimers.com? Yep, yep. Have a play up on dimers.com in the Tampa Bay game. Um, daily articles there, and then, and then Tone Stakes on Twitter. Yep, uh, at Tone Stakes on Twitter, dimers.com. Give him a follow and uh, check out his material all there. Tone, thanks for doing this. We'll talk next week post-trade deadline. Sounds good. Thanks, Jason. All right, there he is. Another edition of Tone's Takes on Stick to Hockey Live. All right. Well, good episode today. A lot of fun as always. Great plays from Tone. And the deadline coming up tomorrow. Let me do a special pop-up episode tomorrow. Um, But everybody, thanks for watching. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We'll talk to you next time on Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great day, everybody.